today on the Tearsheet Podcast. You know, in order to support their customers the way they need to be supported, you know, kind of in this pandemic um, and in, in, even in these digital channels, um, it doesn't just stop at that engagement layer. They actually need to really fundamentally, fundamentally look at the underlying operating model and how are their operations coming together um, to be able to support their customers end to end. Um, and we're seeing kind of a reimagination of that, that they're looking to get more flexibility and more scale. They're looking to get more speed and efficiency. They're looking to get better control um, from a risk perspective and a resilience perspective into kind of how those operations work. Um, so that's really, you know, that we think really no better calling for, um, for workflow and really what ServiceNow does to better join up all the different fragment, fragmented parts um, of a financial institution that are stopping, stopping them from serving customers the way they need to today. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. This past year acted as an external shock to financial customers and employees of FIs. As branches shut and employees turned to working from home, workflows were disrupted and redesigned. Enter ServiceNow. It's a software company that serves digital workflows for enterprises. My guest on today's podcast is Lauren Robbins, general manager of the firm's financial services business. Her firm has hundreds of FIs as clients, and she joins me to talk about how institutions' expectations have changed during the pandemic. Lauren describes how financial institutions are working to ensure higher levels of customer service in this newly distributed form of work. Lauren Robbins is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we hop into our conversation, I wanted to tell you about Tearsheet's Acquire Conference 2021. It's all about the growth behind today's top financial brands. If you want to hear what top brands in the industry are doing to grow, to scale, to market, you're going to want to attend Tearsheet's Acquire Conference. We've got brands like Marcus by Goldman, Current, Step, Zelle, Shopify, it reads like really like a who's who, Money Lion, Charles Schwab, PayPal, Square, N26, Vero Money, Stash, Cabbage, Tally. If you want to hear what these firms are doing and how they're approaching growth in this era, you're going to want to attend the conference. The conference is sponsored by Burgopack. It's February 16th and 18th. For more information, you go to Tearsheet.co, our website, and click on conferences in the upper right-hand corner. Hope to see you there. Hi, Zach. So I'm, my name is Lauren Robbins. I am the general manager for the financial services industry business unit at ServiceNow. So uh, let me take a step back and maybe just share a bit about what ServiceNow does. Um, ServiceNow is a, um, a cloud-based um, software platform, and um, the heart of what we do is digital workflow and really easy integration. And our purpose is really simple. Um, our purpose is to make the world of work work better for people. So we're solving for the problem of what stops work from flowing in an organization. Um, that could be, you know, things that are held up by manual um, uh, by manual activities like email and spreadsheets. Um, and we connect it all together with workflow and bring in all the systems that are important to help um, to help our customers do that as well. Awesome. And it's, can you, I guess before we jump into the the, the corpus of our conversation, can you give, um, a, I guess, a use case of how a traditional financial institution would work with ServiceNow? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so many financial institutions know ServiceNow by kind of where we got started as a workflow platform. And mm -hmm. kind of the backstory is, you know, our founder had this great idea of, hey, I want to create a platform that makes it really easy to route work anywhere throughout an enterprise. 
And he was told by sort of early investors, look, you got to kind of make that real for us. Um, and so he made it real in an area that he knew about, which was within IT um, and specifically within IT service management. So that's where many of our customers, we have over 900 customers in financial services using us on the platform. And that's where many kind of started their journey. Mm -hmm. But what they realized is the problems they were solving for in managing IT incidents, problems, service requests, changes, they also exist in areas like employee onboarding, where employees also need to make requests of not just IT, but HR and all the other services um, throughout you know, an enterprise. And they've also realized that, wow, those same problems can cause um, bottlenecks and delayed cycle times within line of business operations. I mean, think about yourself, maybe trying to open up a mortgage or open up a new deposit or checking account. You know, those processes can take 30 days, days. And, you know, now what we're seeing is, you know, there are fintechs that are offering those experiences in minutes. So we think about how do we improve those processes, you know, drive more automation um, so we can deliver better employee and customer experiences. Got it. And I appreciate um, that, that overview. Um, I guess moving from, you know, where ServiceNow was, was founded, you know, and the, and the sort of evolution of the use cases, how are your today's clients, um, how, have their, how are their expectations changing as a result of the, the crazy environment that we're in right now in the pandemic? Yeah. So, Zach, you want me to highlight sort of um, our customers or the customers of our customers, um, you know, the small businesses and, and those individual customers? Right, because you're a B two B to C company, or could That's be. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so That's maybe can 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 I guess identify? You know, because you touched the the business in between. Maybe let's talk about your direct customers and kind of hear what their challenges are in this market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think we're seeing our customers responding to um, to a couple of things that are happening because of because of this macro climate and the events we've seen in in 2020. Um, they're responding to the fact that they've needed to scale um, in a way that they haven't before because of all the limitations on all the in-person uh, all the in-person channels. So right now they're addressing um, this mad dash to um, to digital adoption and to really bolstering those digital channels. And so the implication for them is, you know, how do they ensure that their IT processes um, are equipped to be able to keep up with that pace of innovation that's now required. Um, they're also realizing that, you know, in order to support their customers the way they need to be supported, you know, kind of in this pandemic um, and in, in, even in these digital channels, um, it doesn't just stop at that engagement layer. They actually need to really fundamentally, fundamentally look at the underlying operating model and how are their operations coming together um, to be able to support their customers end to end. Um, and we're seeing kind of a reimagination of that, that they're looking to get more flexibility and more scale. They're looking to get more speed and efficiency. They're looking to get better control um, from a risk perspective and a resilience perspective into kind of how those operations work. Um, so that's really, you know, that we think really no better calling for um, for workflow and really what service now does to better join up all the different fragment, fragmented parts um, of a financial institution that are stopping stopping them from serving customers the way they need to today. So I know we've had a lot of financial institutions on this podcast over the past year, and one of the first things they did, you know, when when the pandemic started hitting, was was you know send everybody home to work from home. Um, yep. 
How are your clients at financial institutions able to ensure the highest level of customer service in this sort of new world of work? Yeah, I think it's I think it's an excellent question. I mean, we're seeing um, it's for an industry that you know work from home is much more the exception than the rule. It's definitely. now yeah, it's now definitely becoming more and more of a standard. Um, so you know that I think it is it's completely um, highlighted and. Um, it really accelerated the need for digital transformation that kind of the industry has been addressing, but maybe not as fast as they possibly could. Because if you think about kind of the, the worst case scenario for manual process and things that are paper-based, it really is in a distributed work environment. So we're seeing now more than ever um, that you know, the employee experience has become a lot more top of mind um, for financial institutions. Um, yeah, as kind of a mode of survival now, but also as a way to attract talent um, into the industry where, um, where maybe they couldn't as powerfully before. And really kind of focus, we're seeing a lot of investment on, you know, just employing, uh, supporting the well-being um, and the wellness of the employee base. And, you know, one customer we work with as they were um, trying to address the onset of COVID, um, like they were getting calls into their HR call center that were keeping their employees on hold for three hours. They couldn't get easy answers. And you know, it was just something as simple as putting in a virtual agent um, that could just address you know, very, very simple questions of how do I get set up with my remote access? You know, you know, what do I need to know about kind of everything we need to do to operate safely mm -hmm. as a business? Um, that they were able to deflect uh, over 20% of that call center volume you know, just by having you know, a virtual agent for the employee. So we're really, really seeing that focus on the employee experience um, and, and workflow as a solution to that. That's interesting. We definitely had institutions and, and vendors on the podcast talking about on the customer side, you know, hours of waiting. I never even thought that that, would, that could also happen uh, on the employee hotline side. Well, yep. let me, so one of the things we also heard from a lot of the, the participants on this podcast over the past few months was, uh, and you just mentioned it now with sort of this, the, the di digital transformation being accelerated, right? So projects that were, you know, supposedly to plan to take years, you know, had to happen in months, if not weeks. Um, how, how, do, how should, given your perspective, how should financial institutions approach transformation initiatives um, in a way that, you know, really doesn't drop the ball with customers, builds trust, and, 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 and to your last point, you know, engenders employee satisfaction? Yeah, you know, I think that um, I think that we're seeing a couple of things um, emerge here, a couple of themes. You know, one is sort of the um, the spillover of agile methodologies from kind of, which were normally adopted as kind of a rapid way to deploy solutions within IT, and that's not going away. But putting that more into more into how the business approaches, you know, how they're prioritizing and how they're getting better time and faster time to market um, in delivering those those specific initiatives. Um, we're seeing, you know, continued focus on, um, on, the, on the customer journey and really understanding what the pain and what the friction is and where we want to be very specific about pinpointing those investments. And the other thing that, you know, we've been really, really focused on um, in terms of how we've been partnering with our customers um, to kind of get them that better, that faster time to market. You know, one of the big problems that, you know, we work with customers on is that they're sitting on a lot of legacy fragmented technology. And it's only been sort of exacerbated because of, you know, things like M&A um, that's, you know, really created this proliferation of legacy tech. And that, you know, tends to be a really big bottleneck 
for um, that really gets in the way for how our mm -hmm. customers can deliver those digital solutions. And so what we've been able to offer is kind of, you know, not the need to rip and replace or, or take out that technology, um, but the but the capability to rationalize what's needed to deliver the process, um, you know, what sort of apps you don't need, and then to stitch together and to connect all those systems that are tied to those customer journeys that are that are, you know, the focus of those those um, priorities on the points of friction. So it really is kind of, um, you know, in, in doing that. Um, our customers have gotten really, really fast time to value, um, you know, just by putting what we call a system of action on top of that legacy investment. So, so I want to ask, I guess, a corollary question to that. Um, what percentage of your business is, you know, working with incumbents to help them with, to manage the legacy um, issues and, and, and provide workarounds versus working with sort of pure digital and, you know, building those things in from the ground up? Is, is there, do you see a distinction there? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think that a lot of a lot of the focus has really been um, on the incumbent financial institutions mm -hmm. to you know to kind of get them get more out of what they've invested and get and have them get better speed. You know, mm -hmm. I think the incumbents they have such um, such advantages in the economies of scale they have in the breadth of their offerings, their global presence. Um, obviously, you know, everything they've done to sort of comply with regulations that put them at a really big advantage, but they are slowed down by their legacy. So that has been a problem we've solved. Um, that said, we do and can work with some of the emerging uh, fintech players, you know, that are looking and, and are capitalizing on their ability to do straight through processing. Mm -hmm. um, and we certainly can be that, that system that provides that end to end. Where we've also seen um, an opportunity to partner with some of those players has been on the exception handling side. So, you know, if an account doesn't open or if a payment can't go through, um, you know, normally that's where that straight through processing sort of breaks down. And we, come, we become a very good system to ingest all of the data from the underlying system, like transaction systems, and be able to route, route workflow to handle some of those exceptions. So we really can play on that servicing side where I think it's been less top of mind in some of those smaller players. Got it. Um, I also want to, it sounds also, so you're both, you're dealing with employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction. Um, what, what's your opinion about the old ways of tracking customer satisfaction? Are, are they still relevant? Um, and how can companies make sure that their customers are still happy and the trust factor hasn't waned during this, during this period? Yeah, you know, I think that if we think about the experiences that we know and love as consumers, right? And I'll take uh, you know, Amazon, for instance, um, even, you know, we always refer to the Domino's pizza tracker, right? It's all about giving that customer transparency. Um, and it's, it's more important now than ever today, because customers are in, you know, some very dire need of, uh, of financial support and help from their banks, whether it's, you know, getting a small business loan or um, asking for, um, asking for, you know, relaxed payment terms um, for a mortgage, you know, there's, there's all kinds of needs customers have. And what's happening is that the banks are getting totally inundated um, by all of these different inquiries and all of the, all this need to support customers. So the, the need for that end-to-end -end transparency um, back to the customer. So when they call into the call center um, and they need to track their requests, they can do that in real time. Things don't go into a black box. And we saw some of that happen with the onset of the PPP program. I think what hasn't changed is, you know, you mentioned it at the heart of all of this is trust. And so much of building trust is 
you know, the assurance that the financial services, the critical services, um, the, the assistance that's needed for customers, small business and individuals during this time is, is going to be there and it's transparently there. So, so I like that framework. Do you, do you feel like the financial industry gets that yet? Is there an alacrity to, 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 to moving more closer to the customer to provide that level of transparency? Yeah, I mean, it's an excellent question. And I think if you asked me this pre-COVID, I might say, no, maybe not yet because they, uh-huh. they haven't yet had you and they haven't yet been, um, been stressed in the way that they are now. Um, but now I think more than ever, um, it's, it's a matter of survival. Um, you know, we see financial institutions, um, you know, for example, you know, dealing with the PPP program in one of two ways, you know, there are some that are just kind of see it as an administrative burden um, to, to provide that government support. There are others that are saying, gosh, this is giving us access to a whole new set of customers that we can be there for in their time of need. And it's a way to build and cultivate deeper relationships. So I think that because we're in a, an environment of extremes and that's placed unprecedented stress on these, on these uh, financial institutions, that it has gotten them to, to respond. And I think it's very clear to them that the ones that invest and do this right and lead um, through this crisis are gonna be the ones that are set up for a, um, like a very distinguished competitive advantage now and into the future. And do you think, Loren, that they look towards um some of the best in consumer goods or, or consumer services when they when they think about the future for their for their own sort of customer journey and experience. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the GAFA effect is in full force. Um, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is that that has set the standard for what a, a high grade consumer experience can and should be. And I and I think that you know that's why we're seeing a lot of really good partnerships start to emerge with some of those big techs that are offering financial services themselves. And you know the one that immediately comes to mind is you know the work that Goldman Sachs is doing um, with with Apple. Um, to you know, expand kind of the the financial services experience embedded into um, into into buying Apple products. And, and so, I want to go back to something you said earlier. <clears throat> it sounds like uh, you know, ServiceNow can play a role in in sort of the digital transformation that some of these banks are undergoing. Um, how is the product? How is ServiceNow's FSO product, as opposed to I guess other industries that you you represent? How how does it help? Um, help them in their digitization process? Yeah, it's a really great question. So um, so FSO equals financial services operations. And what, what we did just kind of stay, taking a step back um, is you know, we've made a big bet on, um, on our customers in financial services as, as a company. Um, you know, we saw an opportunity by providing more and more out of the box industry specific capabilities into our workflow platform um, that we could deliver uh, more value, faster time to value for our customers. So what we've done is we've, we've kind of taken that workflow, we've put in um, according to, for those familiar with buy-in, buy-in banking industry standards, um, you know, for mapping all the different banking services into our workflow, we've extended a, a financial services data model on top of that. And then we've started to build out of the box, um, in essence, business processes. And we're targeting the business processes where our customers are telling us that they need the help of workflow to drive, to drive automation. So we've initially targeted um, payments operations as one area, card operations as a second, and loan operations as a third, 
And it really is our platform for delivering continuous innovation for these targeted business process and targeted functional areas um, within a financial institution. And you know, we're seeing customers have great success with it. Um, one of our first customers on the FSO product is a top four bank within the UK. They use the platform to drive, um, to drive transformation in their payments operations um, functional area really targeted. I talked about exception handling earlier, you know, really targeted at payments exception handling. So I paid the wrong person or my payment didn't go through, you know, how do we triage that and resolve it and recover the funds. And what we saw is that they had 70% efficiency gains um, in doing that. They were able to speed things up. They were able to take out costs and they got to market in 12 weeks because they were able to take advantage of the payments processes that we had offered to them right out of the box and 12 weeks is really the snap of the finger um, when it comes to the world of financial services. Totally. You can't even get a meeting in 12 weeks a lot of times, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but uh, that's interesting. The, that, that use case of sort of very high stress, uh, you know, payments exceptions. Um, and, and so does that mean as you create these new workflows, they somehow get added back to like the service now, like library that you can roll out for future clients? Exactly. That's exactly right. This really is our platform for innovation um, that, you know, we're working collaboratively with our customers to continuously enhance. So ServiceNow has two family, we call them family releases a year. Within each of those, um, we'll release more and more functional areas, more and more workflows um, that our customers are telling us they need, you know, just, just more help building, offering out of the box that they really want to drive that very fast time to market in. So Lorraine, it definitely sounds like this has been a busy time with, with PPP and the pandemic. Um, what are your biggest opportunities? Like, what are you thinking about um, for the rest of 2021? What, what are you working on? Yeah, I, you know, I think that, you know, what's very, what's very much top of mind is partnering with our customers on their own unique and respective journeys um, for how they see themselves leading through this crisis and being in that in that position of, of competitive differentiation. And so, you know, some of them may need to start from, look, I really need to get the core of, of our IT operations, you know, up and running, and I really need to drive more efficiency and productivity and um, and how we're delivering, you know, innovation back to the business. Others could say, look, we're, we're preparing for this new world of remote work and we need to better connect our employees um, as a distributed workforce back to, back to our company. You know, others, I mean, one of the things that ServiceNow is a hidden thing in our platform is the ability to embed risk compliance and control into our workflows. And, you know, many kind of in this new world of, um, of, uh, of COVID, you know, we're seeing very different types of risks emerging that, that our customers are trying to think about how do we manage these more efficiently and more effectively across our lines of defense. Or it could be, you know, we really need to invest in how we're serving our customers, not just with the engagement channels, but also how we come together from customer from front to back office um, to really provide them the experiences that need that they need to build trust with our financial institution into the future. So it really is kind of those four flavors um, and really partnering with our customers, you know, to map them on the journey that they're on um, and help leverage, you know, our platform to get them where they want to go. Lauren, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you very much for having me, Zach. It was a pleasure. 